This is episode 37, Holistic Pet Medicine with Dr. Katie Woodley. And this is Erica here. I hope you're having a beautiful day, morning, evening, whenever you might be listening to the show. Thanks for tuning in again. We really appreciate our listeners, you, the community. And before we get started, if you love the show and you enjoy listening, if you could go to your favorite podcast platform and just hit subscribe and also leave us a review. It helps our show grow and reach even more people. And I am really excited to introduce this week's episode. I probably say that every time, but it's so true. We only have people on the show that we really love that have a great message to share. And this week's episode is no different. We have Dr. Katie Woodley. She's known as the natural pet doctor. She is an expert holistic veterinarian who's on a mission to make sure pet parents like you have natural treatment options for your pets. And her veterinary career started out in New Zealand, and she talks more about it in the episode, so stay tuned for that. But she lived in New Zealand and had access to this beautifully holistic lifestyle where she grew her own vegetables, she raised chickens, had lambs and sheep and all kinds of things. And then after moving back to the States, her husband was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. And doctors were like, okay, well, there's nothing we can do. You're just going to be on this medication forever. Have a nice day. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that that's my story. Same thing, autoimmune condition and being told there's nothing we can do. Here's medication. Have a nice day. And then the reason I found Dr. Woodley is because the same thing happened with my fur babies, with my cats. So I have two cats, and they were both um, relatively recently diagnosed with autoimmune conditions. Um, Gizmo, my youngest cat, has asthma, and my oldest cat has hyperthyroidism. And I have a great conventional veterinarian, but he was like, here's the medication. Have a nice day every day. Like, take this. And because I knew that for myself, this didn't have to be the answer, right? Like saying something's going to be this way forever. Here's your medication. Like I know intuitively and from experience that it doesn't have to be like that. And in my own healing, it reflected that maybe it doesn't have to be this way for my cat. So that led me to do some research. And I'm super lucky that you know, Dr. Woodley is in Colorado, although she does virtual telehealth. So I just have done like a phone consultation with her. But learning from her and her community, she has an awesome free Facebook group that I highly recommend everyone go join. She also has a VIP natural pet parent club, um, which today if you join or when you're listening, we have a code for you to get 10% off. It's a VIP pet. That code is also in the show notes. But I learned so much from Dr. Woodley, even before I had a consultation with her, just from her videos and her YouTube channel and all the information she provides. She is all about education. So um, as you follow her and get to know her, you will just see that she just wants to educate you and show you that we can take care of our pets in a completely different way than we thought. And it's not just about buying the cheapest kibble on the shelf at the grocery store and being like, you know, there we go. There's more we can do to help them live long quality lives because they're, in a lot of cases, they're our friends, they're our family, and we just want the best for them. And there's so many ways to help. So 
I am super excited to bring this episode to you today, and I highly recommend, like I said, um, tuning in and plugging into Dr. Woodley's community because this episode, I think, you know, we talk for like 45, 50 minutes. It's just the surface. There's so much more, and I really hope you enjoy it. So on to mine and Lauren's conversation with Dr. Katie Woodley. Hello, everyone. Today, we have Dr. Katie Woodley with us. Katie, thank you so much for being here today. Lauren and Erica, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. And I'm going to give just a very, very quick background of how I found you because I think anyone listening out there who has pets might connect with this. And basically, I have two cats. And for anyone else out there who has pets, we love them so much. They're like the light of our lives and we never want anything bad to happen to them. And my, both my cats now have chronic illness. One has asthma and one was just diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. And of course I went to my conventional vet and I was told they'll just be on medication for the rest of their lives. But I know because of the work that I do with humans that I was like, I don't take that. That's not my answer. And so I started going down the rabbit hole of holistic pet medicine, which I had no idea existed before my cats got these diagnoses. So I was so grateful to find you and your community and your education. So that's how you came to be on our podcast. But I would love for you to share with the audience, how did you get into this world of holistic pet medicine? Yeah. So ironically, it didn't start with an animal. It started as a conventional veterinarian. I went to school in New Zealand. So accredited, just like going to like Colorado State, was a great adventure. And I met a Kiwi, not the bird, and married him and brought him back to the States after graduating and working in New Zealand for a couple of years. However, six months in, he developed an autoimmune disease. And I will never forget sitting in the doctor's office, very similar to like you sitting in the vet office being told, there's nothing else you can do. You have to go on really strong immunosuppressive drugs. And I just felt so like defeated. But then like walking out of there, I was like, there has to be something more that we can do. And I didn't know what to do, but I started looking and I found holistic medicine on the human side. And I found all these case studies and people fixing their autoimmune diseases and like using nutrition, go figure, right? using herbs, using essential oils, using supplements. And we started going down that path. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I not using this for my own patients? Here I am telling them there's nothing more you can do when they're getting cancer diagnosis or their pain is too much and the drugs, the five drugs they're on isn't working. So I was like, okay, Katie, let's wake up. And so I started looking down the path of acupuncture, became acupuncture certified, then became Chinese herbal medicine certified, and then just went down this entire rabbit hole myself of like essential oils, supplements, using real food to heal the body and created my own business now two years ago, the natural pet doctor. And that's all I focus on now. And it's been so incredible and being able to help pets in a different way. And also seeing on the human side, all the correlations, like my husband's not on strong immunosuppressives. We don't have to worry about him like developing a deadly side effect. So it's one of those things where being able to provide that for the animals, like it's such a huge mission to make sure that people 
hear that and have a voice and have an option and regain the hope again. And that's just the biggest part of the Natural Pet Doctor's mission. Yeah. And that word hope is so important, especially when we think about the placebo effect, because again, the the parallels between the humans and animals, this whole process has just been mind-blowing to me. And I mentioned that to you last week when we I got to have a consultation with you. But we we are told by our doctors, these people that we trust, and we kind of put on this pedestal, right? They're doctors. They know what's best. And then they're telling us, this is your diagnosis. This is your life. Sorry, there's nothing you can do. And then a patient, whether it's an, an I mean, whether it's a pet parent or you're actually the patient, you walk away being like, well, I believe this. And just that belief is enough. So I imagine, and this has been my experience with you, just by having someone say, hey, your cat doesn't have to be on steroids the rest of her life. Let's do these other things. They can really help her. So even just me being like, okay, like there's hope that, you know, poor gizmo doesn't have to be on these awful drugs or like a ton of them forever. So I think that hope is such a, like that alone is an important piece that you give to your patients and their your, their parents. And now this next topic is loaded. I know you have like a two hour webinar coming up soon. So if people want more, we only have, you know, 45 more minutes left in this episode. But the, the biggest takeaway I've had so far is nutrition. I've heard you say so many times, like if you do anything, get your pet off kibble. So can you give us the like shortish crash course, course version of the pet food industry, some of the the things you want to share, and like maybe even how quickly, how do we read a pet food label? Because I know that's been so, I know how to read a human food label, label, but what do we look for in our pet food? Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> so as a veterinarian going from vet school, being in conventional medicine, like you're taught like the dry food diets are the only way to go which just absolutely blows my mind now that I fed into like that junk, you know? And the thing is, is our food is always going to be the foundation for health. It is in people, it is in pets, and it can be either the safest form of medicine or the slowest form of poison. And I just absolutely love that quote because most people, including veterinarians that haven't delved deep into the nutrition, the pet food industry side, don't realize how pet food is made how unregulated the pet food industry is. We have to realize that we're most companies aren't using human grade meats. We're using the discards from the human side. So what happens is, is all the meats that don't make it to the human side. So think about what that would look like. That's the diseased meat. That's the meat that has cancers, that has like, it's rotten. The like animals that died, the roadkill. And I hate saying that, but unfortunately, that's what's going into our pet food. There's a thing called rendering. And I won't go into, I get really like passionate about how awful it is because when we look at pet food labels, and I'll talk about the like top things that I look at, when we see like meat meals and we see like chicken meal, that comes from the process of rendering. And rendering is when they pretty much take the discards from the restaurant industry, the oils, the fats the cattle that have been discarded, the plastic that is from those rotten meats at the grocery store that they couldn't sell, it all goes into a vat and it gets boiled and cooked down at really, really high temperatures into this really nasty soup. And like fat boils up, they skim that off, they spray that on the kibble to make it tasty for pets. And then what they do is they dehydrate the rest of the junk 
and they sell it to the pet food companies to put in the products for the meat meal, for the protein source. So there's no way that is a high quality meat. And it's the grossest process, but however, we have to look at why are we seeing increased rates of cancer? Why are 60% of pets developing cancer? Why am I seeing four-month-old puppies, four-month-old cats developing allergies and skin disease? And it comes down to the food. So what can you do, right? This is really, really important because it can be all doom and gloom, but if we don't give you solutions and choices, it's not going to be helpful. So looking at the ingredients, we have to, the one thing that I want all pet parents to learn is how to read the ingredient list. So grabbing that bag of food, grabbing that canned food and turning it around and looking at it. Remember, it's unregulated. So when we see like guaranteed analysis, it doesn't mean guaranteed like high quality food. But what you can do is easiest thing, all the ingredients are listed by volume. So your highest volume will be the first ingredient that's in that food. We want to see things like chicken. We want to see like proteins because we know our cats are obligate carnivores. Our dogs are also carnivores. They can process a little bit of carbohydrates. However, they shouldn't be eating high carb diets. So we want to see the protein. However, those weights, those volumes are pre-processing. So your meat is 75% water weight. When it's dehydrated, when it's processed, when the kibble is extruded at that high heat temperature, it comes out with only about 10% water content. So now it's only 25%. So if your next ingredient is something like corn, corn gluten meal, or peas, pea protein, your meat is now not the highest concentration in that food, but the pet food company knows you want to see that ingredient. So that's really important to be aware of. The other thing is, is a thing called ingredient splitting. This is where they'll take the ingredients we don't want to see as pet parents because we know that they're lower quality. So for example, corn, and they take corn and they take it apart and they'll list it as corn gluten meal. They'll list it as corn, whole grain corn. So they're separating out all the little individual pieces of corn. And now what it looks like is it's less volume. So they can put it further down on the ingredient list. So you want to look for where you're seeing similar things. So pea protein is another one. Pea protein is put in a lot of foods and it's a cheaper quality protein. It's also higher in glyphosate or Roundup. So your pesticides, which lead to inflammation and affect the microbiome in the body. So looking for foods that are predominantly pea protein heavy, first five ingredients is essential, especially for your grain-free diets. And a lot of times those are broken down to peas, pea flour, your pea protein, and that's always going to be listed by that volume. So looking for those is really important. The other thing I want pet parents to be aware of is the salt rule. So we have to, we have to put salt in. They need salt, just like people. And there's different qualities of salts and things like that. Kibble diets are always going to be higher concentration of salt. That's just a fact. That's why we see a lot of kidney disease. That's why it's dehydrating to the body. However, there's a thing called the salt rule. So when you look at a bag of food, we want to see like high quality foods, the pretty labels. We see blueberries. We see broccoli, right? Like the pictures on the bag and you're like, oh my gosh, my pet's going to be so healthy eating this, right? And you look at the back, you look at the ingredients, you're like, there's the blueberries, there's the cranberries. However, the problem is, is there's a salt rule going on. Everything listed after salt is less than 1% of that food content. 
So a lot of times these companies are like, we know they want to see it. And they put the blueberry after the salt. They put the cranberries after the salt. They put the broccoli after the salt. So literally in that entire bag of food, there's probably one blueberry. And it's probably a rotten blueberry, to be honest. It's like been picked up off of like the floor. But those those three things looking at is there is there a predominance of meat? So not just like chicken and then the corn listed afterwards for the first five to 10 ingredients, looking for ingredient splitting. Are we seeing a predominance of carbs in those first five to 10 ingredients that are broken apart into their different components? And then is that company trying to trick us with a salt rule? And I think those three things kind of tell you a lot. That meat meal too, that comes from rendering. So if you see meat meal on the ingredient list, you know that that's not like the chicken that was just like like what we would eat from the grocery store. It's probably the chicken, the plastic, the container, the like the tags from other animals, all the nasty stuff that was rendered down. So I try to avoid using things, the products with meat meal in it, especially if it's not labeled as poultry, chicken, you know where it's coming from. If it's a generic label of meat meal, it could be cow, it could be horse, it can be dog, it can be anything. And that's just a fact. That's how unregulated the pet food industries are. And you just, nobody knows that. It's not taught in vet school. You have to learn that afterwards if you have a invested interest in learning about the pet food industry. That's insane. <laughs> I figured yeah, that was probably just, a lot. <laughs> you should see our faces. Hopefully no one's listening to this during dinner. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you might want to put that's, a disclaimer. That's so <laughs> crazy. Listen while you're eating. So what should our pets be eating? <laughs> yeah. So when we look at, so this is the hard part, right? Because you hear that. And this is where I went, where I was like, I don't want my pets to be anywhere near this. So there are companies that are doing things right, looking for human grade meats, they'll have to list it. So if they're using human grade meats, those meats are the same quality that you are able to eat that you can get from the store. So those foods tend to be more expensive, of course, because they're higher quality ingredients. Also, if you're looking at kibble, so kibble is not the most biologically appropriate diet for dogs and cats, just because of that higher carb, it's lower protein, it's processed. It's like us eating processed food, right? Not ideal for most of the time, even if you are eating like less processed, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something that would be like high quality processed food for humans. There's not a whole lot of things, right? Like compared to vegetables, meats, and real food. However, there are companies that don't go through like a high heat extrusion process. So Pet foods are processed at really, really high heats and it forms N-glycation end products. There's a lot of chemicals that are formed. It's pretty much like when you charcoal a meat and you have like all those carcinogens that form, that's formed in dog kibble, cat kibble because of the high heat process. So there's companies that showcase that they don't do that high heat processing. Mm -hmm. So there's one, for example, I think Lotus is a company that does it. There's others too. Ideally, if you can get back to like real food, and there's a lot of companies now that are coming out with balanced real food diets, um, where it is actually like meat, vegetables, there's calcium, there's the vitamins and minerals added, you'll see a lot of organ meats are added in for the vitamins and minerals, those are going to be the best things for your pets. If you can't do that getting to something like a freeze dried raw, which is going to be less processed, it's not 
as risky. People are worried about like foodborne pathogens with feeding raw food diets. But honestly, if you can get your pet to eat a raw food diet and you help them transition to a raw food diet so that their microbiome can tolerate that type of food if they're coming from a kibble, that will be the most appropriate diet for optimizing their health. Yeah. And unless you have two older picky kitties like I do, I'm still working on getting them on canned food, but one cat, she'll just kind of eat whatever you put in front of her for the most part. But Chloe is just like, I'm not having this. This is not what I ate yesterday. I want my I want my junk food, basically, is what she's saying. Yep. And that's the thing. I mean, I have a senior cat, too, that we adopted, and she's addicted to kibble. They get used to There's actually studies that show what you feed the cats from the very beginning, what you feed the dog. So you can take a cat. A cat is obligate carnivore. They don't need carbs. They can eat just meat, like the full prey model, right? They could eat a mouse, and that's, that is their optimal diet. So, But if you take them... And you put them into our environment and you start them off with kibble food, you can actually change them to only want the kibble food. They only want the texture. They like the crunchiness. They like the flavor. And then they go, no, I actually don't want to eat the food that actually will give me life. And so that can happen with dogs and cats. There's numerous studies that show that. So you're battling the same thing I have with my senior cat. And that's where looking at, okay, looking at what are the ingredients? Is there this ingredient splitting? Is it going to be a higher quality ingredient? So that way you don't feel as bad that you're feeding like a kibble diet to a cat. So there's, you know, we can't, yes, it'd be great if she ate a raw food diet. I'd be shocked if my cat ever transitioned to a raw food diet. It'd probably kill her to be honest. Like it'd be such a shock. That's, to how, her body. that's how I feel about myself. I'm kind of, you know, that's how I feel about French fries. <laughs> exactly. Like, like and the thing is too, is like a little bit's probably not gonna kill you, right? That's everything in moderation. So if you can add in other things that are nutritious, or you can use supplements, you can use vitamins to increase the nutrient like nutrient content in that food. That's the other way around it. So you can use things like omega-3 fatty acids. You can use a multivitamin so that it's helping because we know that the nutrient requirements aren't optimized in those dry food diets. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the other huge parallels that I hear you talk about all the time for animals that's the same with humans is like this idea of detox or reducing toxins in the environment. And we have a whole episode of the podcast about detoxification, liver detoxification for humans. But one of the things in that episode we talked about, because it was overwhelming, but it was like, you know, the, the biggest thing you can do is reduce the amount of toxins as much as possible that you're exposed to. So that way, no matter how your body's functioning or how your animal's body's functioning, it's like they have a little bit better of a chance. So let's transition and talk a little bit about our environments and how does that impact our pets, the cleaners that we're using and that sort of thing. Yeah, this is a huge area and it's an area where it's becoming really a lot more important too. I mean, not only the environment affects the food too, like with the glyphosate and the Roundup and how widespread that is, but we also have to look at so your pesticides you're using in your property. So if you have a dog and they go outside, they're touching that grass. They're licking their paws. They're eating the grass. Same with if you have cats that go outside. So if you have a neighbor that sprays, it can come over into your yard. So being aware of what are you putting on your property? What are you using on your lawn? And that plays a huge part. There's numerous studies just like in people that can show that it can lead to things like lymphoma and cancers and autoimmune disease. So that's a big area. What is going on outside? 
And also, what are you bringing from outside into your house on your shoes and like into the carpet? So being more aware, like just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. The other thing that's a big area is what are we using in our house, of course. So our cleaners are a big thing. So think about your cats. Like they sit on your couch usually. They sit behind you. I've had cats that will sit there and lift my hair. They'll sit on the bed. You have dogs that sit on their beds and then they're licking, right? Our last German shepherd would always sit on his bed and just like lick and lick. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? And it's he's releasing oxytocin. He's super happy. Like he's just in his zone. But if I'm using chemicals on his bedding, like the laundry detergent chemicals, the high fragrances, like who here, I can't tolerate them anymore. Like the smells of that stuff make me sick. When I walk outside, like the laundry, what is it? The dryer, the, the dryer thing. Oh, I'm just like, Ugh. but think about that is going to be on the thing that your pet is licking the floor cleaner, the like, when you're spraying stuff down, if you're using Glade plugins, I know Erica, we talked a lot about that with your cats. Like what is, what are those artificial fragrances? Because it can lead to aggravations of things like asthma. It can create more inflammation in the body. If we're not optimizing food, it's all going to compound on each other and lead to disease. So that's really, really important. And there's ways to, just like you would for yourself, like looking at your products you're using, turn the bottle around, just like the pet food and get rid of the things that you don't recognize the ingredients. It's going to help you. It's going to help your pets using things like your natural cleaning products, baking soda and water goes so far. I have not had a normal clean, like when I say normal conventional cleaning product in my house since Ryan got, my husband got sick and our house like is not a pigsty, it's clean and it works. So using the natural things versus looking at the chemicals and thinking that we need those to keep our house clean or use those on ourselves and your pets and yourself will be healthier. When I started diving into this world of detox and just reducing the toxins in my environment, and this for me was about three years ago, and I started with just my skincare products. I started making my own lotion, and it was like one thing, and that's Lauren and I talk about this all the time. It's like this stuff can be overwhelming, so don't feel like you have to do everything at once, but choose one thing that feels approachable and start with that. So maybe if you've never tried a natural cleaner, like I do one that's just vinegar, water, a scent, and like some essential oils and like some Castile soap and like that's it. And I don't even use that all the time, but it's for my kitchen, like if there's a really greasy job or something. But, you know, just like one thing and give it a try and then add another thing. And slowly after some time, you'll be like, you'll highly reduce the toxins in the environment. But I remember I had a client who was having trouble with the idea of like, changing out products and toxins in the environment but i used the example because they had a dog so it was like it's like well if you don't want to do it for yourself like you know your dog walks around on the floor picks up that stuff and licks it ingests it and like that was enough to be like oh right like we won't necessarily do it for ourselves but when it comes to our kids or our pets it's like oh now i'm i'm motivated to change so just find whatever motivation you need and (laughs) just choose one thing and something else i'll add that i learned the hard way is pets and houseplants and making sure I had like mm. my my dog ate like lilies the leaves off of this plant that I've had for literally 20 years and she my dog was new to the environment but she ate this plant I had never looked it up it ended up causing like a very 
severe reaction, she was fine. But like, it had never occurred to me that I have all these plants in access of my animal to be really aware of what Mm. the potential harm could be. So that's just something that I wouldn't have thought about that does part as part of our environment and house plants are great. I have a lot of them, but just being aware that if you're bringing a new plant or a new fur baby in to like understand (laughs) how that could, how they could play well together. That's just something I'd never thought about till I had had to. Yeah, that's actually really, so my husband, bless his heart. We've been together forever now. It's like been 15 years. And every time he brings me flowers, I love him to death, right? But he gets the lilies. Like lilies are, I have cats and it causes kidney failure. And I'm just like, I have to throw these away. <laughs> like stop getting the lilies. But he, he doesn't get it. Like he just doesn't get it because he doesn't make the connection because they've never gotten sick. Thank goodness. But that's a good point. There are so many chemical or plants that we bring in and we want them or air purifiers too. We have, you know, lots of those in our house. And my cat, one of my cats will just go and chow down on like the plants. And it's like, you know, if that's toxic to them, we're going to be in the ER with her and they can potentially pass away from it. There's all different side effects that can happen from different types of plants. Yeah. And what about essential oils? Because I know this is something you talk a lot about and, you know, there's different levels of purity and quality. And what should we be looking for if we want to use essential oils around our pets? Yeah. So this is a huge controversial area. And it's an area that's really misunderstood because we see a lot of toxicity cases. And however, what's going on is they were used inappropriately with the wrong dosages, the wrong brands. So one of the most common essential oils that's used for its calming properties for people, it's put in like lotions, it's in sprays, is lavender. However, lavender is one of the most adulterated synthetic essential oils. So it's not actually like the pure form of it. And that's what causes problems. Specifically, cats are super sensitive. They they don't have all the detox pathways that dogs do, which is why they are more sensitive to a lot of chemicals and things like essential oils. So that's really, really important. When I'm looking at essential oils, there's a couple, there's, there are a lot of good brands that are out there. I tend to go with like three because I know they're safe. It's easier rather than giving people a ton of different options and overwhelming them. But what we're looking for is how long has this company been around? What is, do they have certificate of analysis to show what's in those products, to show that there's no bacterial contamination, to show that there's no adulterants present? That's really, really important. This is similar to CBD too. So CBD industry, Hmm. like highly unregulated, just like supplements, just like essential oils, anyone can make anything. And so making sure that these companies are actually testing to see what's in there. Also, I usually do not recommend like a lot of times you walk into like a store and you'll see essential oil sitting there next to the diffuser. And you're like, that sounds like a great idea. And you buy it, you bring it home. And then the next thing you know, your cat is having like an allergy attack or is drooling and is not moving and you need to go to the ER. And a lot of those essential oils that are on like Amazon, you can buy online from anyone, right? Amazon, anyone can sell anything on Amazon. And so those so easy, even some of the brands like, so I use a lot of Young Living. There's also like doTERRA. Those are pretty clean brands that are used with animals that have been around for a long time. 
Also, Animal EO is another essential oil company that's made by a veterinarian that I really, really like. Mountain Rose Herbs, they have a lot of really good dried herbs. They also do essential oils that are organic. However, like with Amazon, this is a big thing. This can happen with supplements. It can happen, especially with essential oils. They can pop the top off and they can pour out that and they can put in an adulterated synthetic essential oil, pop the cap back on, super easy to do. And they sell it for a little bit cheaper than what those companies are selling it for. You start diffusing it and your pets get really, really sick and you wonder what happened. And it's because it wasn't pure. So those are things to be aware of when you're looking at essential oils. But if you're not sure where to start, just start with looking at Animal EO. She has a lot of great resources. We have resources on our blog too at thenaturalpetdoctor.com, how to use them safely. Less is more, whereas a lot of times we think more is better, right? They're doing great. Add more in, not with essential oils. It is very highly concentrated aromatic compounds. So you just have to be careful and use them smartly and appropriately. Yeah. And what about, so you're certified in Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, well, the, the herbal stuff too has been interesting. I watched your, one of your lives a few weeks ago with um, Naturally Cats and talking oh, about yeah. the, herb, the herb garden. So yep. all I had on hand was valerian and uh, my cats go as crazy for valerian as they do for catnip. And it's, and it's like the first time I gave it to Gizmo, she was like, she looked like she was high. She was just living life. She was just rolling around in it. And just, so it's been, it's been fun to use that as another way to just, I don't know when she's to help her calm down essentially. But so there's this whole other world of herbs and um, alternative stuff that we can do to make our pets more comfortable. Cause I think that's the important thing to remember, just like with natural health in humans, um, there's a time and a place for the conventional medicine, right? For acute emergency-based things, like you need to go see your vet, you need to take your animal to the ER. But then when it comes to the long-term, like there's so many things we can do to, to make ourselves feel comfortable, to make our pets feel comfortable. So how do you, how do you use acupuncture, for example, with your patients? Mm, Yeah. So that's what I love about holistic medicine too, is that we have all these different modalities. So with conventional, you're treating symptoms. That's the downside. There's a time and a place like you mentioned, but you come up against those limitations. So acupuncture is great. I'll use it for the most common use would be for pain, like pain control. But that's also, it's kind of like a conventional usage almost in a way, because there's different ways that veterinarians can actually be trained in acupuncture. You can actually be trained from a conventional perspective, like the physiology of what the needle is doing. It's causing increased blood flow. The muscles are relaxing. Or you can be trained from a Chinese medicine perspective, which has been around for thousands of years, right? And it's looking at the meridians and how the chi and the blood and the energy are all flowing together. Where's stagnation happening? What are the points that we can use to stimulate the immune system? They're all the same points, but you approach the pet very differently. So the most common use is pain because we have all the studies that now show how it actually works from a science-based perspective, and it works really, really well. It helps stimulate the brain to produce its own natural opioids. A lot of times you can reduce the non-steroidals, the conventional drugs that scare the bejesus out of so many pet parents because of like the liver and kidney side effects. So we can use that for dogs. We can use it for cats. They also respond really, really well. 
their bodies are more pure. They're like very energetic beings, especially cats. Mm -hmm. And so when we use acupuncture, a lot of times what you find is that they go to sleep because you're, you're helping the body produce natural endorphins too. So you'll put the needles in, we use like calming points, and then the pet just kind of like sits there. And it's the coolest thing to see because you see their eyes like starting to close and you know, like it's not a placebo effect, right? Like that's the thing. Like you can actually see the effects happening. But the thing that happens to me when I'm getting acupuncture, yeah, like it literally like, like relaxes yeah. me to the point where I feel like I'm in like this strange meditative state for like 30 minutes while I'm laying there. Yeah. Because it's I, I do the I get the Chinese medicine acupuncture. What's it called? Is there, is there like a different name for it? It would just be like a Chinese medicine. Like it, Chinese, yeah. Principle. Anyway. Like, yeah. So it'd be based on like the what they're using. So a lot of times if it's conventional based, they're like feeling for like the tightness and trigger points. Whereas when you're looking at the Chinese medicine way, you're mm -hmm. feeling pulses, you're feeling where the blood flow, how it's happening. So, so I'll tell you guys from the from a, a human perspective, I've been doing acupuncture, that type of acupuncture for a few years, and it is remarkable. Yeah. It's for me, I have a hard time like being quieting my mind. But I feel it after I leave, I'm like, whoa, like, so in our pets, they feel the same way. They sleep better, they feel better. So that's the thing. We don't have to just use it for pain. I use it in kidney failure patients to help with nausea, to help stimulate appetite, to help increase blood flow to the kidneys. There's master points all over the body that correlate with the organs. So we can use points all over to help stimulate that. So pancreatitis, GI upset, there's asthma, you know, there's all sorts of different ways that we can use it. And I think that we tend to forget, like if we're going to a conventional doctor, they tend to forget that it can be used for almost any type of condition. And not every pet responds just like people, but sometimes it takes a couple sessions to kind of re-regulate that immune system to help the energy flow. The good thing is, is there's no downside. There's not going to be an adverse effect. And then there are some pets, there are some cats, there are some dogs that are like, I'm not going to take that acupuncture needle. So that's when you use like laser therapy, you use essential oils, you use herbs, you use those other modalities for those pets that are like, nope, not going to happen. So, and that's fine. Yeah. And you can even do a little bit of like acupressure, right? I've heard you talk about that before where, you know, obviously if you're doing, I don't know how often you do acupuncture with the patient, but maybe like for, you know, the asthma and gizmo, like there's certain pressure points or something that you know, at home that if she were having an attack can like potentially help relief some of that discomfort? Yeah. So like lung one is a really good area where you can apply acupressure. Of course, it's not as stimulating as putting a needle in there, but it's mm -hmm. something you can do as a pet parent. So just applying like gentle pressure to that area, to that actual acupuncture point and leaving your fingers there or as long as they'll tolerate it. So a lot of times I'll have owners do that too. Or like if they have kidney issues, applying pressure along the kidney master points and doing that a couple times a week. And you can incorporate it into like when you're petting them or just gentle massage. And it's really, really powerful at helping the energy flow, getting things moving again. And they love it. It's just like they're, most cats love it. Let me reword that. Some, <laughs> yeah. some, some are not a fan, but you know, well, that's yeah. okay. They're independent. 
Right. And then and again, the parallel to humans, like I actually, I don't know how long ago, but when like my cats would come and like knead on my chest or whatever, and I would start like massaging their back because it's like, you know, they run around or sit in weird positions all day. They're like, they have muscle tissue too, right? Like massages yep. feel good for us. So it's again, like it blows my mind that it's taken me this long to like be like, oh, there's, there's more there for the pets and all the things that we can do for them. And before we dive into some just maybe hacks for pet parents out there who are just getting started in this world or maybe they have, you know, a new animal and they want, just want to do the best things for them. But one thing maybe I want you to talk about is making this feel more approachable because I know that, you know, just like with human health, sometimes it's it's easier to just do what's convenient, but the return on this sort of natural holistic medicine for pets is huge, especially if you have a new pet. So how should we look at natural medicine? Like, because right, you, you're not necessarily someone's primary veterinarian, but you're kind of a partner alongside your yearly checkup with your veterinarian. So how can someone kind of wrap their mind around like, when do I start reaching out to a holistic vet in my area or like maybe just joining your community? Like where can someone start there? Hmm. That's a great question. And you're right. Like it's easier to wait until something breaks. And that's how a lot of us have found holistic medicine. We waited until something broke. And here's a personal story. Our German shepherd, Finn, who was like our sole pup, he actually passed away a year ago this this month. And he was started conventionally. Like I was in vet school. We got him. I was probably in my second year of vet school in New Zealand. We got him as an eight-week-old German shepherd puppy. He was on kibble. He got all the vaccines. He got the flea and tick preventatives. I did all the things that were right, like, you know, all the things I'm being taught. And he was pretty healthy. Like we lived out in the countryside and on a little lifestyle block. And we went to the ocean and the river. And like, so it was, he had a good life. And then I don't know if it was when we moved back to the States, lots of chemicals here and change in food. Like everyone just kind of cacked it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> the thing is, is like, he was healthy <laughs> until he wasn't. And as I learned from my husband getting sick and learning with my own patients, I was like, why I need to do this with my own fur family. And so Finn was transitioned to a home cooked diet. He's put on herbs. We were able to avoid like knee surgeries. And he had some bladder stuff that, you know, where he couldn't pee if his bladder got too big. That happened after some vaccines and like all the things like it wasn't just one thing. It was a combination. And his body went, I am broken now. And so the thing is, though, is that it continued. Even though he was being stronger, he developed a brain tumor. He started having seizures. And that's what he passed away from a year later. We were able to get him through for another year of good quality life with herbs, nutrition, supplements, acupuncture. However, if I had done the things that I know now at the very beginning, it could have been a very different story. And he'd probably still be here. So for... If you are just getting a pet or you're just starting out, you're just like getting the awakening that I had years ago and you're like, I have to do something different. Start now. It'll be uncomfortable just like it, when you change your own health. It's uncomfortable if you're not used to cooking your own food. But the thing is, is start small, right? Start with adding vegetables into your dog's food a couple times a week. Start with looking at the ingredient list. Start with following people like myself and other holistic practitioners to just learn and just kind of feel your way through it 
And maybe you just jump on like Instagram for, you know, if you are scrolling and look at those accounts and learn while you're on it. So that way you start educating yourself to know what is best because the combination of everything is what makes the difference. You can feed the right food, but if you're putting like chemicals on your pet or surrounding them with chemicals in their environment, it will add up. And that's the thing. So I think for people, like the biggest thing is, as I see the food is a foundation, start with the food for your dogs. If you can't switch to like a homemade diet or a raw food diet, or you have financial limitations, start cook. Like if you cook for yourself, put aside some like cooked carrots, some cooked broccoli and add it into their food three times a week. There's studies that show it reduces cancer risk by 90%. Like that is with a kibble diet. That is how powerful it is. For your cats, if you are getting a new puppy, you're getting a new kitten, put your cat on a canned food diet at least. Don't feed them kibble because as Erica and I know, those cats will be so much harder to transition. So trying to feed as much of a like biologically appropriate diet as possible is the biggest hack, the tip that I could provide for a person because it makes such a big difference. And with how screwed up the pet food industry is, it'll be the biggest game changer that someone can make. Yeah. And that's how I got started. So when I first just decided I want to see if there's a different way, I found you and I just started – like I joined your Facebook group, which is amazing. I highly recommend everyone go find it and just watch some of your lives and some of your videos. And I wasn't ready to do anything for a while, but then once Chloe got her diagnosis, once things were broken, then, you know, I was I was moved to take action and I decided to to have a consultation with you. But not everyone has to be at that point. And Lauren and I were just talking about this with humans yesterday. Why does everyone like we all were trained to wait until there's a diagnosis, until it's broken, before we're motivated to make a change. And it's it's not our, you know, quote unquote fault. Like this is how I was too. But I just want to say it as many times as I can now forever to just plant it inside people's heads so that hopefully, you know, someone else out there with two cats, like your story is not the same as mine. And you just, you know, start giving in the canned food now and the omega threes or whatever, you know, the supplementation, whatever you can learn about and add in. It's, it's so beneficial. And especially like, it can get expensive, but you know my cats aren't on insurance, so it's way more expensive now with all the blood work I'm going to have to run and that kind of stuff. So that prevention goes a long way. Yeah, and I agree. The thing is, too, like my practice is, you know, I, I do house calls and I do a lot of telehealth consultations, but there are holistic vets out there that do everything mm-hmm. or they're integrated vets. So they do the dentals, they do the like wellness checkup, they do the blood work. So going to like the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association website, so ahvma.org, you can search for a holistic vet in your area by zip code. And so that way, if you feel like your vet's against, like if they've told you like real food will kill your pet and you want a holistic lifestyle, find another vet. There are plenty of vets out there that can partner with you that won't make you feel bad for trying to do the right thing for your pets. And Erica, you're 100% right. If the preventative medicine, it might be a little bit more expensive up front, but once you optimize those things and you fine tune it, it's going to save you a lot of money and a lot of heartbreak from happening further down the road. Like it's hard. It's hard watching my husband say all the time, like, I wish I had done things differently so I didn't develop an autoimmune disease. And he was pretty healthy. 
like compared to most people. And I think that's the hard thing too, is it doesn't take a whole lot before our body is broken for dogs, cats, people. And so we have to stop looking at, well, it's fine. It's fine. The pain isn't high enough, right? The pain has to be great enough for you to make a change. No, let's say like there's enough people in pain. Let's look at them. Let's look at the pets. 60% of pets get cancer. I don't want my pet to be one of those. So create the change now that you want to see, right? So I think that's really, really important. Absolutely. I also think that as people get more curious about these quote unquote alternatives, I have found myself more likely to seek out alternatives for my animals than for myself first. And once I started like researching more things for my my pets or my family, it caused me to look at myself differently and want to do more for myself. So like there's also a very linked self-care mindset to this, listeners, dear listeners. So if you are doing these things for yourself and not the rest of your organic family, whether it be plants or animals, just consider that like you're part of a system. <laughs> and when you're doing better for yourself or for your animal, that it's going to support like a, a just overall healthier lifestyle, just to like bring it all back to the mindset piece of it, which <laughs> we have to hit on almost every episode, <laughs> it feels like, but like it's part of a system. And I think the pets are left out of that system <laughs> in the family a lot of the time. So I'm so grateful to know that there's professionals like you out there. I had never even thought about a holistic vet, but I, I mean, I've lost so many pets over the years and it's just like, oh, I wish I would have known. I wish I would have even like heard of this before. So if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, go learn on her page. I've, I've been watching and following too. Like there's so much information out there and resources. Yeah. And I think the thing is too, is like, because I went through this also with my own pets. I've had two cats and a dog now pass away from cancer. And, you know, making sure that we give ourselves grace and that space to go, you know, I, I didn't know it at that time, but I know now. And so I can create the change now. And I think that's really important because I see a lot of people hold it against themselves. And that's not fair either. Our pets, the amount mm -hmm. of pets I see that have the same conditions that they're their their pet parents have is unbelievable because that's usually part of like the questions like the amount of gi disease and like the anxiety and they they are like the energy beings that suck it like from us so if we're not doing good self-care i see a lot of pets that end up having health issues also even if that person hasn't developed a said condition right you don't have to necessarily have a disease name if something is off, but our pets are going to play off of that energy that we are putting out, just like people around us, right? Like, as we all know, and I think that's really important. I think the self-care piece, your mindset is so powerful. We all know that we can heal ourselves with mindset and with, you know, meditation and there's, it's so powerful. And that's why we see a lot of these animals do so well too, when we switch or we integrate in a holistic modality. Absolutely. And so listeners, if we're, we're taking away one thing, it's get your pet off kibble. <laughs> Go try yeah. some canned food. <laughs> try something that looks more like real yeah. food. <laughs> so. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, today to just share this message. And like I said before, 
I would also suggest like at least following Katie on Instagram, but her Facebook community is also really amazing. And before we go, the one question we like to ask all our guests is what is your all-time favorite life hack? And this can be relating to anything. So this is kind of funny and ironic. It is related to animals, but if you work from home, so I do a lot of telehealth consults and I have, I always have cats around me and I on my desk, if you own a cat, you know that they are everywhere, right? You're trying to do something and they're like all over and they're like (laughs) eating your thing. They're eating your wires. You're like, they're fighting. The other day I was recording a webinar and my cat fell off my chair. Like, (laughs) I was just like, really, really? So my life hack is, is making sure I have like a little cat tower with a little basket right next to me because, or a cardboard box that's turned upside down because it attracts them. So rather than being all over my desk, <laughs> they'll go and sit in the cardboard box. So super like random, but if you have a cat and you have to work from home or you need to do something, grab a box, turn it upside down, and your cat will be attracted to it. I actually have every time I get something delivered from like Amazon or whatever in a big box, I always yeah. empty it and then just leave it in the living room for a few days because they love – like they'll get sick of it, but at first they're just like – in. Like, how do you trap yeah. a cat? You just put out a cardboard put a box. box. <laughs> or a piece of paper, I guess, too. Yeah, like a piece of yeah. paper, a cardboard box. I don't know what that is. I don't even buy my is. cats real toys because they won't play with them. They just want my hair ties and a Q-tip. There you go. You can crumble up paper, too, yeah. you know? Super like, easy, right? Like, this is why we can't have nice things because you won't play with them. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, thank you so much. And let's – We'll put them in the show notes, but where's where's your favorite place to connect with people? Oh, geez. So I would say that probably the, the easiest place for people to go is the Natural Pet Parent community on Facebook. So, I mean, I do a lot of lives on both Instagram and Facebook of the Natural Pet Doctor. So, but what I'll probably, yes. I'll probably share with you when it gets closer is just that VIP Natural Pet Parent Club. Because that's where all my webinars go mm, and people mm-hmm. can access all previous resources and yeah, and all the other webinars I've done. So by the time this episode airs, they should be able to get access yes. to the two-hour webinar on Yep. Food, yeah, right? that'll be a, yeah. on the 28th. So that'll be up in, in, the, in the club. Okay. So yeah, they can get it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Katie, and thank you to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and don't forget to stay Stay curious. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a Positive Vibes Only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.